Welcome back to Sci-Fi Cross-Sections. It's me, your Sci-Fi Boy, filling in for your other Sci-Fi Boy, Ben Young. And with me tonight is... Oh. Wait, do we go from where Colin usually sits? God. No, yeah, just go, Joe, go from where he usually... <laughs> go from where Colin usually is. Table this time. I don't know. Fuck! <laughs> And then so Mark introduces himself and then next it would be Bill. Bill, you're going to introduce yourself. Now. Well, you would be next, Ben. But I already did. So just Bill, go ahead. I'm Bill Jarvis. Great. Andrew's okay. Back. And he he knew he knew. All right. Someone's reading ahead. And today we have close encounters of the third kind. What was that? Uh, I dropped a ring off my desk and my keyboard. I just, it was a little CPOM, sorry. <laughs> you guys. Overlord's not here, so the boys are gonna play. You don't know CPOM like I know CPOM. <laughs> Shit, you're right. For the record, like CPOM does not mean what you think it means. <laughs> just wanna make that clear. Does it mean I, that this episode's gonna be 23 means, minutes of us just fucking around? It means I just smash. Colin wanting to die. Uh, it means I just smash the keyboard. Everybody wants to hear us fucking around, right? I don't that's that's what has our most listeners. So no one actually cares about our analytical takes. No, I was gonna say, I, like, I, I dropped that. I just Valyrian'd all over this one. Can we just do more Luke based well, on? Well, it's tough to make fun of a movie of this caliber. Good. Uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. The 1977 film directed by Steven Spielberg, written by Steven Spielberg, starring Richard Dreyfus, Terry Garr, the incredible Melinda Dillon, I love her, and Francois Truffaut. Uh, music by a young and uh, impressionable John Williams. Cinematography by Vilmos Zygmunt. Edited by Michael Kahn. The film had a budget of $19.4 million. Anyone want to guess its box office? Its worldwide box office? $173 million, Alec. Any other bids? Uh, I'm, I'm Bob What is here. $173 million? Um, I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with $173.1 million. Oh, shit. Fucking best. The actual retail price is $306.1 million worldwide. Yeah, win. close to that going over here. The real question then is why didn't this get a sequel? We'll discuss it tonight on Sci-Fi Cross Sections. Because nobody wrote the book. Is that, that is, is that where the is that where the like is that where the intro music is inserted? Because I think you just I think you just did Once Upon a Tavern there. <laughs> Dateline, uh, sci-fi cross sections. It's worth also noting before we even get into it, before I even start synopsizing, that there are three different versions of the film. There's the theatrical cut, uh, which is 135 minutes. There's the special edition, which. Uh, Spielberg, so so I'm going to get into this story really quick. Uh, Spielberg was unhappy with the cut of the original theatrical cut. He didn't have time to finish a lot of the special effects he wanted. And so when the film succeeded in the box office, uh, he asked to be able to go back and finish it for a re-release. And uh, the studio said yes, but they requested that at the end we see inside the spaceship because that's going to be their big marketing pull. Uh, Spielberg compromised with that 
But then later on in the 90s, he finally did his own director's cut that eliminated the interior spaceship scenes and uh, put in all of the footage that he actually wanted. Mm. So the director's cut is the vision that George, that George, <laughs> that Steven Spielberg, they're the we same really old white guys. We really wanted to do a lot of things with this. And <laughs> when I re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-released it. Hey, so, I, I, I said to him, I said to, I said to him, hey, Steven, I really think you should add in those tauntauns. I give you the, give you the source code for him. <laughs> the source code. How many, how many horses did you kill on this one, Steven? <laughs> <laughs> uh, ben, you forgot about, so, you forgot about the, me, uh, you forgot about the uh, Snyder cut. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah, I forgot that Snyder is uh, releasing one because, uh, like, 10 fans are really loud on Twitter, and they it makes Zach think that people like him, so he's he's coming back to do a cut of The Close Encounters. So the synopsis, for those of you who are living, living under a rock and are like, I still don't know what this movie's about, well, let me tell me you. Me until today. You didn't know what it was even about? Well, I mean, I knew what it was about. Yeah, I hadn't seen it, though. I'm ex- you haven't seen it either, Miller? I had seen it like, I, I, it was probably on once when I was a kid and I was in the room, in or around the room, and, but I mean, yeah, I haven't actually I'm sat excited. down and watched it. Across the country have a close encounter with UFOs that places a message in their heads of an image they can't stop recreating. These people seek to find the answers to the mystery, while a group of UN scientists also track a mystery related to the aliens and their involvement in our history across the world. That's about as simple as I can break it down. So, Honestly, that's about as simple as the movie actually is. Unpack that. <laughs> Me and Ben are gonna fight. <laughs> Wait, no, really? Like you didn't? What? I don't You're know. You're not if it calling was... this movie simple. I don't know if this was. I don't know if it was because of the bad mood I've been in for the last three weeks, or if it was just because I didn't like it. But I just did not. This movie didn't do anything for me, and I was just sitting there, like checking every I don't know ten or twenty minutes and being like. I still have a whole movie to watch. I still have a whole movie to watch. And it was, uh, it, it like was to me personally, I, I, I know I'm in the minority on this, especially since this movie has won Academy Awards, but it was, it like was grating to me. Like I was just, I could not get my, I couldn't get into it. I could not Mm. get my head into it. And I tried, I, I wanted to, like, I wanted to like this movie. Like I was just like, Come on, do something. You somebody know, like it got to the pie in somebody's face. It, it got to the part where um, he's uh, like doing the mashed potatoes. He's doing the devil's uh, footstool out of the mashed potatoes. <laughs> yeah. And um, I'm like, it's like that scene from The Simpsons. Come on. That's. Uh, I engaged. would guess the Simpsons scene is like that scene from Close Encounters. It's for so- the record. Mom, I think I'll have some wine. Mike. Yes, homie. Do, 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 do. That's it. 
You people have stood in my way long enough. I'm going to clown college. I don't think any of us expected him to say that. So, so the Simpsons scene that mimics Close Encounters is so much better than the scene that happens in Close Encounters. Because, like, the dad's having a problem. And the, the boy is, like, tears are rolling down his face. And I'm like, I'm like, nobody in this movie acts like a human being. He's upset. He's scared because his dad is being a fucking whack job. Uh-huh. And he's scared. That wouldn't scare you if your dad just started making a tower of mashed potatoes shortly after having a mental breakdown? My dad, maybe. So, like, there's your connection. Mm -hmm. Like, No, it's just, I, I was just, I, I was not attached to any of these people. Like, nobody did anything for me. Like, I, 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 I wanted to, and... I don't know, like, and the and the and the mom freaking out when she like found the dad like in the, uh, the bathtub or whatever. It's uh, okay. everybody, nobody in this movie acted like a human being. That's 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 my least favorite scene. So I'll give you that. At it least. did, and 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 I don't know. It could be that I like despise the 1970s. Cannot stand the 1970s. Um, it f feels like a lot of films had that like sensory overload thing where people are like shouting and there's some fucking kids slamming the door and there's like the guys trying to talk and then she the woman's yelling and the kids like you cry baby. it's like stop i hate this i've got anxiety i don't want to have anxiety while watching a movie so it was uh yeah, there, there were a lot, of, a lot of scenes that just kind of grated on me i guess i mean that scene is definitely uncomfortable uh, I know yeah, we were talking I, about it sound yeah. mixing wise. Uh, mm -hmm. There is a lot of uh, crosstalk mm -hmm. and things in the movie. Yeah, but they, they usually seems purposeful, and right. it's it's a lot of information. Like it's difficult mm -hmm. to digest at all. But usually, it's like you don't okay. You maybe don't need to digest what they're throwing at you. Like it's more of a realistic situation in a lot of circumstances where they do it. But it is it is difficult. That scene was already hard enough to watch, and then there, like you said, it was a sensory overload in a way too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, I mean, like Straw Straw Dogs by Sam Peckinpah has the same thing, um, which is not a sci-fi movie, so I won't you know go on and on about it. But a lot of these, a lot of seventies movies have like at least one scene where it's just too it's too much all at once and it just leads me to believe that nobody in the 70s knew what they were doing at all about anything for the record i'm fully disagreeing with you on just about everything that say yeah, i yeah, think yeah. the no, 70s is one of the, the greatest decade of film in our film history i don't think you know, like, yeah, there's a lot of stinkers in the 70s, mm -hmm. but I think all of the best movies in history have come out in the 70s. Close Encounters, Jaws, Never uh, seen Jaws. Alien. Huh? Never seen Jaws. Ugh. Um... No, and I mean you're you're not you're not wrong about the the 70s having some really great movies. You know, uh, Apocalypse Now came out in the 70s. Um... Somebody's looking up uh, uh, other movies that came out in the seventies. <laughs> I'm wondering. I'm, I, I, I ha I'm not, but I'm wondering if Star Easy Wars Rider came was out 70, in the seventies. No, Easy, Easy Rider was sixty nine, so close, <laughs> but no cigar. I love that shock jock, like almost donkey noise. 
<laughs> I've got to, I've got to contribute <laughs> somehow to this podcast. No, 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 no. Once I'm done, once I'm done railing on this movie, it's all yours. Well, I do want to hear since Miller, this was virtually your first time watching it, and yes. you hated it. Mark, this was virtually this was your first time watching it. Where were you at? Okay, okay. <sighs> oh shit! Wait, uh, really quick. Eraserhead came out in the same year. That's, All right, uh... I retract. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love the moon. No, and was, I mean like seventy. There's there's things in the seventy. Yeah, that was for me. Um, there are things that like I I do like about the seventies. Like seventies music is generally pretty good. Like I love disco and I love like a lot of classic rock, Led Zeppelin and whatnot. Um, some David Bowie, but like. I don't know. There, there, there are a lot of movies that I was just like, "Oh God, seventies." Hmm. Um, so, yeah, Mark. Hmm. I definitely I liked it a lot, and I I mm-hmm. think that some of what you might have found underwhelming would be due to this being outstanding special effects for its time, in like what seemed to be groundbreaking special effects, mm-hmm. but to, to us now there, it's like, okay, that, that coupled with a few other things that you had talked about, I can see why you might not have liked yeah. it, but well, I don't think get me uh, wrong. Oh, sorry. I, uh, I think my biggest complaint would be, I really enjoy when movies take their time and they have, they have a lot of breathing room, but I almost feel like there was maybe a, just a little bit too much of it for me, uh, in some of the, in some of the downtime moments where they're developing the, uh, the encounters and the experiences that were happening, the experiences that were happening with, um, uh, how was his name? Riri? Roy? Neary? Roy Neary. Yeah. Uh, in that uh, single mom, I really like. I I Jillian. enjoyed. I enjoyed everything they went through, and I think the scenes were great. Uh, especially the uh, watching the it just slowly take over his life, and uh, you know he didn't find another job and was obsessed with it and couldn't get away from it. Mm-hmm. And as hard as it was to watch, it was understandable when he starts ripping up the shrubs you know after they find him taking a shower fully clothed at two in the morning or whatever (laughs) and then he wakes up in the morning and is at the same time as he starts apologizing for for you know doing that and everything's going to change and he just starts like shredding the house Mm -hmm. yikes uh it was hard to watch but i think it really gave you a perspective on the the weight of what was happening in a in a very individualistic human way and as opposed to a lot of movies well they'll use setting to to really pare it down to be more intimate but this was the earth like them coming to us and the fact that they were able to make it such an intimate experience with that in mind i think is is well done in this movie that's that's probably my my favorite part and my least favorite part in a way about the movie, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. 
like they i think they did a good job of it but it had a little too much uh they could have tightened it up a little bit i think and bill have you seen this before uh yeah partially i i you know i saw i've seen like the classic scenes and the ending and i knew where this was gonna wind up but watching mm-hmm. it, so I'm just gonna give you my little spiel on it. Um, I feel oh. like uh, this is like Spielberg. Ha- yes, Spielberg. So I'm gonna give you my Spielberg. Uh-huh. So um, this uh, this film is like really, really like classic Steven Spielberg adventure. Like it's it's like you have just like this framework. This guy goes on an adventure. There's there's something weird that happens, and and he chases after something, and it's like. I feel like that sort of like framework is very 70s and 80s for Steven Spielberg in himself. That's very much something that he did a lot of. And so it kind of like that can feel like grading because it feels um, childish in a way. It feels like it feels like a childish fantasy. But at the same time, I enjoyed it in this way because it's very innocent because this is, you know, the the. They were trying to create this sort of feeling of thriller, uh, of a thriller, or like of a, um, you know, a horror. <laughs> Insert thriller dance. Um, so a thriller, a horror movie, and uh, and then wind up in this love fest at the end where everybody is just kumbaya, and like and like, <sighs> there were so many different aspects about this, and so many so many different things that made me think about you know being a. I don't know, being a father and being, you know, you know, government intervention and things. And it made me think about a lot of things. And then when it wind up, wound up at a, you know, creating a universal language and, and speaking and then becoming friends because we understood each other. Um, I don't know. It, it, it did actually, oddly enough, I know it's kind of weird. It gave me chills at the end when it was like, when it was and i knew the scene i've seen the scene but like when seeing it in this context of this entire film and it culminating into this like boom 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 and i'm like oh god okay like oh my god this 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 thing has been here the whole time and it really like whoa i don't know i just naturally thinking about it gave me chills um and maybe that's just me being a big old schmuck so yeah i liked it i liked it a lot it made me good it made me feel good I'm with you entirely. I, I think the whole final sequence is just some of the best film in the history of Hollywood ever. Like it's shot beautifully. The special effects are beautiful. I, I disagree with Mark in that it's like it's not wowing because I'm I'm still wowed mm-hmm. by it. I think it's it's beautiful. I, I really do. Well, kind of circling and, back to what I was talking about with Mark is that it's definitely like a spectacle. Like I can definitely yeah. see that it's like a spectacle film. And I mean, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what all it was nominated for. It was nominated for more than uh, just Academy Awards. But um, I mean, even, even winning, you know, whatever it won, like it probably deserved it, you know, but so uh, it was specifically in the Academy Awards. It was nominated for Best Director, Supporting Actress, Cinematography, Film Editing, Original Score, Art Direction, Sound and Visual Effects. And it won Best Cinematography. Uh, I don't be- I don't believe best special best visual effects uh believe that was Star Wars that year. So mm. his best friend won. I'm yeah, I'm not saying that it was that the special effects are underwhelming. I I actually think that the I don't know if it was limitations or cuz well I saw the director's cut so that was what how how he wanted he to clean- show it. Yeah, and he had cleaned it up a bit at that point as well. 
but they didn't they didn't really give you they didn't linger a lot apart from the one scene where they show the ship flipping like you only see glimpses or lights for a lot of it and i think but they that's do like the really part. really interesting framing no i'm i'm yeah i'm saying that's it's great oh, okay i don't know if it was uh purposeful or if they couldn't do what they wanted to do and show more but half the time when special effects are bad it's because they try to show too much and they you know i think that some clever framing or or just giving you glimpses of things are way yeah. more interesting it's like the it, killing it, off camera and you know they can't with the pg rating and it's almost worse because you're imagining everything happening you know it is it is on purpose um Steven Spielberg definitely wanted to show as little as possible, but what he did want, but what he wanted to show, he wanted it to be big and crazy. Like you never get a good look at the the little gray people who walk out of the ship. You know, there's always, even when you finally have a good full shot of it, when it's looking at the the French scientist, it still is incredibly harshly backlit. And it's fuzzy around it, so you never really get a good, clear picture of it. And he wanted to keep that sense of wonder and mystery around these people, because even though we're, even though the humans humans are communicating with them by the end of it, we don't understand them. We're no closer to getting any idea as to why they're doing this. And so he, so then, so what that goes back to the whole special edition thing, where. Um, the studio made him throw in a scene at the end showing the interior of the spaceship. He was very against that. Spielberg was against that the whole time. He didn't want anyone to see the inside of it. I've never seen the special edition, so I don't even know what it looks like. Um, I've seen the theatrical version, and now I've seen the director's cut. And uh, it, he was against it because it went against the entire thesis of the film, the entire uh, the, the the visual themes that he was going for. So, Bill, what version did you watch? Uh, director's cut. Okay, cool. So cool his cool. vision. And then Miller watched special, special edition. edition. Yeah, it's just what was so, on YouTube. So, what's up with the uh, what's up with the interior stuff? Like, was it interesting at all? Like, did you ever see you, the movie Metropolis? Uh, no, I haven't. That's on the on the it list of movies like a, I should see. It looked like a big, like, futuristic city inside of hmm. there. Like there was <laughs> like, it was like a it was like a giant like, yeah. Just and, and I mean there were like these view viewing kind of like they, like you could see all of these aliens like standing. And they were just like looking down at uh, Roy standing in the center of all this stuff. All of these crazy lights are going on and stuff like that. Hmm. Is that mm. interesting? So I kind of thought it looked like a like this city skyline. Yeah, yeah. They, on the top of the spaceship. I wonder if that's mm -hmm. supposed yeah. to be kind of it the could continuation be of ground it, yeah. level of it. Mm -hmm. Interesting. No, that that definitely felt like it it felt uh, it felt like when you see the mothership it's it's almost like more like a space station than it is a ship mm -hmm. it seems to be that the the people on it are living there and have kind yeah. of built their lives around it which would make sense i suppose if you're leaving your planet going as far away as you mm -hmm. are you would need that kind of whole life unless you're traveling at light speed you know so and that, that's an 
That's interesting. I, I don't know if I'd like it. I really don't. I'd mm. like to, I'd like to see it at some point, but yeah, just YouTube uh, it. I just assume that you you hate it because you watch the special edition, which is mm, possible. You could probably determine to be the worst version, like a, a collection of the scenes that are different or something. I yeah. could. Um, I could. And oh. do they? So so the other thing is, do they talk at all about the the people that were removed from history in the special edition as well? Uh, you do get to see all of the people who were taken from history okay. return. You do get okay, to see cool. that. Because um, I don't remember very well what... I don't remember the theatrical cut very well at all. Hmm. I watched it. I was raised on movies in the 70s. That's like... My, my dad's favorite movie is Jaws. So, like, that's the kind of stuff I watched when I was a kid. My grandpa loved watching Bonanza. So, like, I watched all kinds of old shit. And, you know, and the Disney animated shit. But I watched a lot of old shit as well when it came to, like, serious films. And so I watched Close Encounters a long time ago. And I haven't seen it again in a very long time. So I don't remember for sure if, like, the whole history stuff was in the theatrical cut. But I know, I, I know for sure that I don't remember it in there. So it, it kind of threw me for a loop with all the – when they all walked out, I was like, oh, what's what's this? What's happening? Like, there's <laughs> some military dudes from World War II just, like, being dropped off. And I, I was very confused. And then they, they thankfully clear it up where they, like, they haven't aged a day. And I was like, oh. And uh, yeah. I think that's a it's a really interesting addition yeah. to the film if it wasn't in the theatrical cut. I can't say for sure. There's a lot of precedent setting for uh, for future intellectual properties. Um, Fallout 3's Mother- Mothership Zeta DLC has mm-hmm. a uh, has a kind of similar thing where you run into a like feudal samurai, a cowboy, um, a lady and a little girl and maybe one other character, but they're all from different time periods. Um, and it's, it's kind of the same thing where there's something about being abducted and they're probably have been experimented on or something that just has made them ageless. Yeah, no, I, you're, you're absolutely right. It's, mm-hmm. I, am. <laughs> I, had, I had forgotten to mention something that I wanted to talk about in the, okay. uh, uh, before go ahead. The, the sensory overload thing i think that was as far as the last sequence goes that was my my favorite part is there they start with the simple the simple musical pattern and then as the ship starts so as as they they start having that back and forth and the communication continues and it just keeps getting faster and faster and picking up and there people start talking over it uh, the the scientists are having dialogue and it's just it's just like more and more noise more noise they keep making faster and faster cuts back and forth and to the people and back up to the ship and back to the board and the keyboardist and and then it just stops everything just cuts out mm-hmm. the tension that they built when the sound just dropped out it was incredible I was literally sitting on the edge of the couch like elbows on my knees that was that's my favorite part of the the whole movie no absolutely and the use of of that kind of sensory overload is kind of like it's my favorite part of the movie as well i think what it does is it adds to that sense of wonder that's that smallness and in in rewatching this movie i kind of realized like 
what I love most about alien films. You know, like we've watched a lot of alien movies in our time doing this podcast and uh, sometimes they hook me. A lot of the times I don't think I've liked them. I think looking back on it, I, I think I've critiqued a lot of alien films in our past. And I think because one way or another, whatever kind of story you want to tell, whether you want to tell stories about visitors from another world who are here to help, or whether you want to tell stories about visitors from another world who are not who are not here to help, um, who are here to, to kill, to harvest resources, etc. I think what you need most of all is that sense of wonder. And I like to think over to Arrival, which is a film that we, we absolutely need to cover. Uh, I'm going to add it to the schedule. Like, Arrival is one of my favorite sci-fi films in the past, you know, 10 years. And it's because only now really am i drawing the comparisons because it has that same sense of wonder you don't get you never get a clear look at things because the things that you're seeing are bigger than your mind's comprehension so they never want you to see it too too clearly they want your mind to kind of fill in certain gaps and then as well like the concepts that the aliens are are speaking to in arrival are big and strange just like in close encounters like they're communicating through music tones and my favorite my favorite line is um and i'm gonna fuck it up it's gonna i'm gonna paraphrase it my favorite line in close encounters is uh when there it's going on and he says like i think they're giving they're teaching us the tonal alphabet yeah and he's like first day of schools boys and girls <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> it's, just, it's like could you imagine like I, I sat there thinking about it, like a tonal alphabet. It's a bizarre concept, and I think that's just—I mm-hmm. don't know. I—that's I, the kind of stuff that I think alien movies need more of. Like you can—you could put them in a ship and and make them blow up the White House all day long, but you know when Will Smith opens up a door and punches one in the face and says "Welcome to Earth," you kind of lose that magic, right? One way or another, I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's just the first comparison I went to. Sorry. Sure. I know we like Independence Day here for some reason. I mean, I was yeah. waiting for Mil- Will Smith to uh, come out of nowhere and just fucking beef that alien right in the face. <laughs> <laughs> he runs up, knock, decks the one of the little ones, and he's like, welcome to Earth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I mean, this is kind of like, I think, a real realistic depiction of, like, you know, what, what a close encounter would maybe do to somebody you know i mean i i kind of was thinking about it i was watching it and it's like this is kind of a lot like lovecraft where if you actually saw like a like a space event like this or if you actually saw like a cthulhu guy or whatever like shoggoth walking around downtown maryland or something you'd probably lose your fucking mind you know you'd make a you know potato cthulhu idol you know um but um I was going somewhere with that. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, but you know, I mean, yeah, I, and and I mean, you you don't need you don't need to put the aliens in a ship and have them blow up the White House. You know, you need to make them go ack 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 and just you know chop off the president's tie and then head, you know, <laughs> in that order. In that order, yeah. Well, it's one. Yeah, if at first it's a joke, and then it's um, is it murder if another if a creature from space comes and does it to you? 
Is that murder? Uh, according to our laws, but it's entirely yeah. dependent. Like, we can hold them accountable, but right. they may not hold themselves accountable. You, right. Yeah, the, the Zillophone-based kind of, life forms. Is that kind of regicide? No. What do you mean? Regicide is when a king is murdered. King or queen is murdered. Royalty. The president is not and should well, not is there, be royalty. Is there, like, a term for that, though? President uh, That's a good question, I murder guess. Murder side. Uh, trying to Treason. Get a good, good label. <laughs> Uh, revolution. Yep. Uh, that you don't seems do more it for revolutionary reasons. <laughs> yeah, right. I was gonna say like, oh, I don't. <laughs> we lost a bill. Bill Jarvis leaves video. <laughs> bill doesn't like regicide. Bill doesn't like regifizime. Hang on, I'm, I'm gonna Google. What do you call it when you kill the president? Yeah, great. a president. Oh, a president. Here we go. It seems to be just assassination. Ah. Oh, oh, yeah, that word. Oh, okay. wait. Uh, demo side? Oh, that um, makes sense. That makes sense. Demo side, the murder of any person. Sylvester Stallone and. Um, oh, no, no, no. Demo side is the murder of any person or people by a government. Mm. Uh, oh. Got it. I'm, I'm going to hold all... We're just going to wrap it up there because I have a lot of things I wanted to say there and I'm like, nope, not the time. Well, was... <laughs> uh, moving was on. Say, we don't have a name for that because that's just perfectly acceptable. Hey, can we... <laughs> that just is what happens. On can we talk about basis? this this movie I just found from 1977 called Wizards? The synopsis says, on a post-apocalyptic Earth, a wizard and his fair folk comrades fight an evil wizard who's using technology in his bid for conquest cool so next I, week we're gonna cover welcome wizards. to magic cross sections i'm your host andrew brandon oh. today we're talking about wizards i've seen okay i've seen this animation before oh i didn't re- okay okay moving on from mark's diversion one of the other things i like that uh i've noticed now in adulthood is the theme around language in this film uh language and communication i find it i found it very funny actually that early at at the beginning of the film we open up in a spanish area it's the where which desert was it i forget the mo mo mo, was it the mojave Mojave? I don't know it was a desert and it was inhabited by spanish-speaking people a French oh, professor it showed. It was in Texas. Yeah, yeah, Thank Tex you. Paso. A French professor, a French scientist shows up, and there are also English uh, UN people and, and a cartographer there as well. And there's this at the end. The Frenchman is asking as as only Spanish speaking person what he saw. And the Englishman has to ask him, ask the Spanishman, and then he has to translate it to the French translator. And then it's just this weird wire of communication, this very complicated situation that humans have found themselves in. And then we meet these aliens that communicate through music tones rather than language itself which is a language in and of itself but not in the same way it's like a universe it seems to be a a supplement for a universal language in the same way 
as uh, what's the what's the method? I remember reading this when I was in high school. If you ever believe you've encountered alien life, the first thing to do is to show them one dot plus two dots equals three dots, or something. Is that? Have you guys heard that before? No. I know more about Esperanto than I know about what you're talking about. Me I don't know anything about Esperanto, so it sounds at least uh, we're making up. Bill, do you know what I'm talking about? You're the one person who would, or at least somewhere close to what I'm trying to get at. Can you um, at least make Esperanto something up? Esperanto was a language created oh by God. a Polish guy um, when he was experiencing the complications of like people Ayahuasca. speaking Czech, English, French, Russian in one area, and he was like, wouldn't it be great if everybody could speak the same language? And one of the great things is, uh, is a French singer uh, created a song named Vivant, back in the day and he decided to create the Esperanto version called Vinspear Spar. It's like uh, you know, like wind wind spear. It's uh, it's a great it's a great language. Yeah. Actually William Shatner has a movie that was completely um filmed in Esperanto. What was the, the what was the question? The point is <laughs> regardless of what the actual thing you're supposed to write down is the point of it is that what you're demonstrating is that you are an intelligent life form capable of basic math. Mm-hmm. And by demonstrating that to the alien life, you demonstrate that there is a way for both of you to communicate. If they can understand what you've just written down, which is one dot plus two dots equals three dots, then they understand that there is a way for you to communicate somewhere along the way. And I think that has a basis in the fact that, like, after you have reached a certain age, the, you, the language center of your brain shuts down, and you can no longer learn language as a language anymore. So that's why it's so difficult for people to take up second and third languages in adulthood, because your language center is incapable of, of learning anything else. It's It's done. So what we do to compensate for that is we learn using the math center of our brain we create equations for words and grammar rules and we speak that language through that and so i think that's the connection there is that here is a here's an equation that we have that we understand do you understand and if they understand they know we can communicate that's what i'm gonna get so close encounters does something like this but instead of math they use music tones which is something else that i i guess is universal as well math and music are very closely linked exactly exactly so that's just something cool i I thought is that we have this very complicated system of transferring information uh at the beginning of the movie and by the end of the movie we've broken down communication to simple music tones Mm -hmm. oh they play the jaws theme inside of the ship when um Roy goes inside for some Ooh, reason. Did they really? They really play the Jaws theme. That's fucking tacky. Or, well, I think they played the Jaws theme before he goes in. Hmm. Did you guys I notice watched... that the soundtrack was also the... Uh, it sounded like the precursor to Nightmare Before Christmas's entire soundtrack. <laughs> Don't even talk like that. That is an awful thing to say about John Williams. Comparing him to Danny Elfman, like... Danny Elfman is a national treasure, Ben. Danny Elfman can suck a fuck. I do I do like how this this John Williams and John Williams did Jaws as well, right? I believe so. 
Someone say yes. You believe every movie. So that's good enough for me. Yes. This movie and his his soundtrack in Jaws is so funny because it's like there are times where it sounds like John Williams, where you're where you're like, is that John Williams? And then there are other times where you could tell like this is a young composer still trying to kind of figure out his sound and his place. And there's just kind of stuff that he just falls back on that's just like, here is 70s mo- movie music. Enjoy. Dun, 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 dun. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, yeah, this is music. And then all of a sudden it's, uh, oh, God, I forget the tones. Bill? What? Bomb, 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 bomb. And suddenly like he's that. making a whole composition. The dun, dun, dun. And you're like, oh, my God, that is John Williams. That's 100% yeah. him. And... That's it's just funny to see this this early stage of his career and and know where he goes from there. So, yeah. peace. Is that uh, it? With my friend. <laughs> <laughs> What's uh, going on? I didn't. So I didn't know who Bob. I didn't know who Bob Balaban was until. <laughs> That's the I, most absurd thing I've ever. She came in and got a can of SpaghettiOs. <laughs> <laughs> well, the only thing I've eaten today is the, is the scraps. Why did it have to be that can of SpaghettiOs in this room? This is the only kind of SpaghettiOs room. This is the SpaghettiOs room? It's the only. Your mom said there were SpaghettiOs in the drawer. Yeah, in that in the dresser drawer, there's a can of SpaghettiOs. <laughs> and are you even going to heat that shit up? Yes. Yeah, you're going to. Yeah, okay. Sure. She's got a campfire in the yard going. Mm-hmm. People talking shit about you. Spaghettios yeah, roasting yeah, over an open fire. Yeah, okay, I can you lock the door? Can you lock the door when you close it? <laughs> <laughs> I need the door. I just need the door. <laughs> I need the door locked. Can you lock it? No, just lock it before you close it. I'll, uh, I'll cut the domestic out. Reach around. No, you keep it, so. this all in. Close this is it. gold. Just reach around. Reach around to the other side of the door. Reach around to the other side of the doorknob, lock it, and then you. Why? Why can I not access this? Room? I don't know. <laughs> oh, Bill, deal gotta, with it. We gotta make Just an deal hour. With an we, door. we gotta make an hour out oh. of this podcast. I might like guys, the guys, guys, again. guys. I'm sorry, Emily got in here, but uh, let's continue the podcast. Emily <laughs> got in the house. <laughs> <laughs> so Bob Balaban. Yeah. Oh my god, that um, was incredible. <laughs> um. Oh, that was funny. I so I didn't I didn't know who he was. Uh, who was that movie called? Monuments Men. That is a movie. He is that the movie where they save the monuments? Yeah, yeah. But the rest of the cast is, I mean, they were way more familiar to me. I was like, I don't know who this guy is. I should assume that, considering the rest of the cast is all uh, big names that I recognized. I was like, maybe I should know who this guy is. And I, this is actually the, the first movie I've seen since then that's had him in it. Uh, and I was like, oh, hey, I know this guy now. <laughs> he's he's an, he's an interesting guy. And I I don't know. I'm like, I kind of want to see him in more things. I wonder if he's still doing anything. He Bob Balaban is coming out in the remake of The French Dispatch. He was also in the TV series Condor, the TV series The Politician, the TV series Broad City, TV series Animals. He was in an L.A. Minute. He's in the movie Isle of Dogs. 
He's in the TV miniseries documentary Wormwood. Oh, I love dogs. Was fun. I'm not gonna keep going. That's thank you. I'm I trying love to remember dogs. who who was Bob Balaban in in Close Encounters. He he was the uh, translator, or the scientist that was translating into uh, English. Ah, yeah. yes, that guy. Mm -hmm. No, you're he, right. He does have that face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Uh, this monument's but it was like George Clooney, Matt Damon, Bill Murray, Kate Blanchett, John Goodman, and then Bob Balaban. I was like, I don't know who the fuck this dude is, but he's standing <laughs> next to a bunch of huge names that I do know. So I actually love that you brought him up because another one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when all of these scientists are staring at these fucking numbers going, what could they mean? The numbers, the numbers, Mason. And the one guy is like a cartographer goes, yeah, they're coordinates. I'm a, I make maps. They're coordinates. You're telling me a room full of what is supposed to be the smartest people in the country who have been looking at these numbers for the better part of a couple days never thought coordinates? <laughs> I wonder if it was just a 70s thing where it was just like, because like now in, in 2020, if we see numbers, the first thing we think of is their coordinates to a lost treasure. But I wonder if in the 70s that just wasn't a common thing that was a common movie trope for, for scientists to base their well, I think work that, on. I mean, I think that that scene is the sort of reason why we think that way, you know? That's so, an interesting I mean, that's point. the history of film right there, you know? Could be, could be. I think, so, uh, I think it was also supposed to be representative of them overthinking a uh, lot of this that's fair you you know you got a lot of smart people they're overthinking thinking gravitational fields and butts and shit <laughs> butts yeah well they got shit. gravity butts have you, <laughs> have you guys ever been to De uh, devil's tower no, no have you yeah oh so I was like so a, little, I basically don't remember it, but I was there. But it's but it's been burned into your mind for the rest mm -hmm. of your life, and you just feel like you need to recreate it every time you're your mashed <laughs> potatoes, right? I have always wanted to go back, actually. It looks cool. I'd, I'd love to check it out. So, I feel like we are nearing the end. We've talked a lot about the film itself. We've talked about some themes here. Um, the sci-fi aspect is is basic, Aliens come. I suppose, though, to really get into it, I have one question for you guys that I, I thought would be a fun little talking point. Which is, first of all, most of the movie is set in Indiana, which is something I forgot. I, I never realized. So this is kind of like a movie of our own backyard. We can feel, feel closely connected to it in a certain way. Uh... Most of us have at least been to Muncie. Uh, so, what I what I'm curious about is if this was you, if you were Roy, and you had a close encounter. And I guess this was really just mainly a question for Bill because he's the closest to the situation of Roy. But anyone can answer. If this was you and you had a close encounter, would you go with the aliens at the end of the movie? If you were, you had this encounter, 
you were invited to Devil's Tower. You had the understanding that you had this greater purpose. Would you leave everything behind and leave? It struck me that it's so easy for him to do so because we are like, here's our lives. We can't just leave our lives behind as much as we may want to to kind of go discover the secrets of the universe. That's number one. Number two, he has no idea what their intentions are. But then I thought, well, he, at the same time, whatever he's going to do, as long as they're not going to cut him open and stuff him with whatever, it's clearly more important than anything he's going to do in his entire life. Especially if they're going to send them back, which it seems like they will. They've sent others back. That's what I was going to say. He watched mm-hmm. them drop off those other people. So though would you? It was all like, you know, displaced from time, though. He's got a family. That's, well, that's what I Does was he? thinking. Well, maybe not. Um, but that's what I was thinking when, um, like, the, uh, when, like, those, uh, what is it, the, when those military gentlemen uh, come back, and I'm thinking, like, like their whole family, I guess, was it 30 years later after the yeah, 40s? Yeah, 30 years like, at that point. Well, anybody, like, you had a relationship, you're at a completely different point in your life, or they've died. And I like thinking, like, I never really thought about that. There's the aftermath of this that's not being shown, which I don't want it to be shown, but, like, I'm thinking about that aftermath. And so I'm thinking about this, like, even if he gets dropped back home, he's lost his family. Like, he hasn't, you know, like, he... He hasn't lost lost his family, but like that kind of puts the kibosh on any sort of family that he had. And I mean, like, I understand, like, you know, the pursuit of knowledge and everything like that. But like, at the end of the day, that animal instinct to want your family would be something. So I would not personally, I would not just because I feel that personal responsibility and also that sort of like instinctual love. So I don't know. I mean, but don't forget, Bill, about the SpaghettiOs incident of 2020. Don't mm-hmm. fucking mm-hmm. remind me. What if you could take your kids and just leave Emily? Oh, yeah, no, for sure, for Emily? sure. Leave, leave that... Leave that... <laughs> she's leave out, that she's out there now building SpaghettiOs shit. Sorry. <laughs> fucking... So, so in, in my mind, answering that question, like, I, I think to a movie that I enjoyed more than this movie, which was uh, Ad Astra, and how okay. Cliff McBride was able to just leave his wife and 15-year-old son to go and look for... He didn't even know that there were or weren't aliens. And here we have Roy in this movie who knows beyond the shadow of a doubt that there are at least that there are aliens or at least a very massive government <laughs> prank happening it's a prank, bro. <laughs> like yeah they take him in there they start probing him and then it's like you know candid camera and it's like hey, everybody on tv's in your asshole um but yeah no like it's when when at, when Ashton, what, given you, what beyond the shadow you're not even bit, born <laughs> Punked. <laughs> um, but given given like evidence beyond the shadow of a doubt that aliens exist like and they want you for whatever reason like 
I, I don't know that I wouldn't like go with them. Like I'm, there's nothing here on like in 2020 for me, there's nothing here. Like I do a podcast with you guys and I've got like a pretty sweet, like season 21 Diablo character going, but that's about it. Um, and that's an interesting point too. What made Roy so special? And I want Mark, I'll let you answer the question. The first question as well, but I'm mean, curious. What do you guys think made Roy so special when it came to the aliens? Probably Why that goddamn haircut. Did he just happen to be there and they were just like you? Or do you think there was something more there? Well, they implanted memories in these people's heads and he was one of the only people who showed up to the mountain. But many tried and they point out that the, the scientist points out, the French scientist... He points out that many may not have even seen the TV. But they, they didn't still get there. Exactly. He so got that, there. He got there, and then the, the, the lady was, like, you know, waiting in the wings. She got her son back, and that's all she wanted. She, she, maybe she... I don't even... know. she did get the vision. Never mind. But she didn't want to go, and he wanted... He was receptive at a... You know, he was at a point in his life that he was like, well, my wife and kids have left me, and I've discovered that there is, in fact extraterrestrial life in the universe so but do you think do you think like the the aliens i don't know sensed he was in a loveless marriage or do you think it was just a random sample that they were just like i don't know this guy down here by the train tracks yeah yeah well, they I could don't, have seen that he was, he was like a true believer marriage. oh his kids were so fucking annoying his kids and wife were so fucking annoying <laughs> i would leave them even if i wasn't with aliens I, think I would absolutely for, fucking bail on that whole situation. Any, any marriage that dis disintegrates the way his wife disintegrated very quickly during his admittedly very stressful and difficult time, I think I'm not judging her or their relationship. I'm just saying that they clearly had a lot more problems going on than just him playing with his food. Yeah, because she pieced out of there pretty quickly. Well, and well okay, there were definitely is. time jumps. the The way the dialogue went, it sounded like it was a longer amount of time than it seemed. Mm -hmm. Still, it just the way the dialogue like... went also made it seem like there were deeper issues in the mm -hmm. relationship than they kind of ever yeah. said openly. Their marriage, yeah. The they they started out like the movie started out with them being. I mean, you know, maybe admittedly, you know, uh, kind of a lower middle class family you know the kids are running wild and nobody's really interested in taking charge and then like he pulls her out in the middle of the night to like try to go look for aliens or whatever and then she starts like getting all up on him and i'm like this is there's nothing more horny than fake alien calls at 3 a.m <laughs> well and she also says she so yeah that's a good point though because she also mentions like it had been forever since they did something romantic like that, you know, where they just like went out to that spot and just looked at each other, whatever the fuck that means. Mm -hmm. You know, they she... got three kids. Yeah, but you know, that's not an excuse. Like, you still need to find time for each other. Uh, yeah. The the Fab Five taught me that. Maybe he was just theory. always looking for something that wasn't his wife and kids, and then aliens showed up. I'm sad about my marriage. Yeah. All we got is SpaghettiOs and time. Yeah, you chose it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want some aliens to tell you there's, there's no. more to life, Bill? All I need. 
What's oh, behind nice. this curtain right here? It's aliens. <laughs> Dude, I'd fucking die if you pulled the curtain back and there was a little green. <laughs> got, got a heart full of love and a whole bunch of Chef Boyardee, okay? That's all I need in life. I don't even need to exit this room. Your to the audience who cannot view tonight's podcast, <laughs> Phil is holding up two cans of spaghettios. <laughs> It's oh my god! Adios. We're running out of time, but Mark, I did want—you you didn't get a chance to answer the question. For uh, for the record, I would one hundred percent. I don't even need to elaborate. I'm, I'm out. Oh, spaghetti! Mark, what about you? <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's a tough one for me. Uh, shit, I don't know. Mark gets anxiety if he's I, away from his brothers for like ten minutes. He would yeah, not leave. Basically. <laughs> I'm I extremely text, codependent. I, I can't text Matt. I can't text Eric. I can't text what if, Chris. I can't text Miller. I gotta go. I gotta stay. What if they promise an alien that you can you can game with all day? Oh yeah, <laughs> that I can game with. What if there's a game? Yeah. What if there's an alien that just has Matt's haircut? <laughs> I, I, I feel <laughs> like I would go. A gray man. He's just got a wig on. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Now I've got a theory. What if Chris is an alien? Chris oh. doesn't exist on Earth. He doesn't exist on Earth. Just give, just give an alien uh -oh. a blonde bomb, and I think it'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's gone. He hated. For the record, giving, giving an alien a blonde bob was the comment that made Chris him go is a away. reference to Mark's oldest brother, who does not actually oh, well, exist. Well, actually, it's hey, a fabrication that the family has. Hopefully, created. he doesn't listen to this podcast. He, he does. He still he literally listens exists. to it. <laughs> He listens well then, to every well episode. Well then, Chris, if you're listening to this, <laughs> prove it. Like, comment, <laughs> <fucking> subscribe. <laughs> I've told him that you guys don't. I'm like, you, most of you have met him at my grad party. You played Frisbee <laughs> with him. I never I knew who like, that was. I don't remember this. I don't. You're trying to implant memories into my mind, and it's not going to work, all right? I have a yes, stronger yes, brain than that. trying. Mark's going Mark's gonna to say your trigger word any day now. Bazinga. Oh, <laughs> shit, how'd you know? <laughs> That's my trigger word. Oh my god, I know Chris. Oh, um, okay. Show me. Does anyone else have anything they'd like to talk about <laughs> with the movie? I know Chris. Did you just say show, show me. me. <laughs> show me. Upload to the Matrix. Oh, Chris oh Matrix. shit, no, wait. We forgot to talk about in the news today that uh, my favorite my favorite headline I've seen in the past five months, which was Keanu Reeves uh, did not know that the Matrix was a transgender allegory, but thinks it's quote cool. <laughs> <laughs> one, two, or three. The first one. The first one's supposed to be the Wachowskis said it's a trans allegory. I don't know. I haven't it looked into it at all. It seems retroactive to me. I don't know. I haven't looked into it at all. But I assume that like they would know. They've known forever. But anyway, I just think it's. I think it's adorable. His reaction. I think it's just. Uh, I. I didn't know, but cool. Yeah. <laughs> Either that, or he anyway. just is like, yeah, whatever. I got paid for it anyway. No, we know he's. He's a nicer boy than that. There's yeah, very few celebrities that I would like fanboy like that for. Like mm -hmm, they're too good. Mm -hmm. He's one of them. He's got the halo He's effect too. for me. Just whatever yes. he does is just beautiful. He's 100%. just Master Chief to you. 
He's just Master Chief. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say whatever well, he does Halo. winds up killing all Ooh. life in the universe. Yeah. Halo's a pretty cool guy. Yeah, John kills Halo. aliens and doesn't afraid of anything. <laughs> Johnny I'm Halo make a is mod that you? For, I'm gonna make a mod for Halo with just Keanu Reeves lines put over. I love it, Master Chief. I fully support this. Give me the Patreon. And that's a lot like Close Encounters of the Third Kind because. Mm-hmm. Well, we're 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 at the end here. Uh, unless anyone has anything else to say about the movie. I do. Did you know Devil's Tower was the first U.S. national monument? Really? Yeah, they said it in the movie. That's fascinating. Maybe to uh, us, but what if what was it to? What was the first monument to the Native Americans? I don't think they did that. I don't know. I think they just were kind of grateful for everything and didn't just pick one piece of land to protect to get a tax cut. Okay. Well, if I looked up, I wish I got a tax cut on Urban Dictionary. The Devil's Tower. <laughs> when a man, when when it was a two two men and one no, woman. No, wait, right? don't. No, don't, don't, <laughs> no, don't. No, 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 no. Oh. That's that's. <laughs> no, 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 no. We are moving on. <laughs> that's the Devil's Triumph. <laughs> anyway, the the greatest trick the devil ever played was. <laughs> Why? You know. But that was it's it's interesting. It was interesting to learn. I did learn it in the movie, so that's a that's a good point, Mark. I heard them talking about it. I heard them say that uh, President Roosevelt made it a national monument, but I didn't I didn't hear that it was the first one. Teddy or Franklin? That's what uh, that's what Teddy did, Teddy? man. Wait, what? President Teddy Roosevelt? Yeah, yeah, because that's what he did, man. He went around just being like, "I like this. We ain't touching it," and people are like. I don't know. And he goes, I have a big stick. And they're like, okay, okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I have a big stomach. Look at look at my fat Why would bulbos. I say that? I don't know. I was like, oh, shit, Teddy Roosevelt shade. <laughs> look at my... <laughs> look at my Chef Boyardee belly. Anything else? Okay. No. Got any other monument facts, Mark? <laughs> Monument facts are gonna have to be monument facts are gonna have to be held for uh, next week. For now, we are diving into good sci-fi, bad sci-fi. We're gonna start with Mark. Write you. a uh, write a theme song. <laughs> I don't need to. Ben just did. Oh. Gonna start off with the Mark of Night. Hey, I forgot I did that. <laughs> Potato Cthulhu. You're welcome. You're welcome. Somebody finally noticed. Thank God. I've been holding it in this whole time. He spelled Cthulhu wrong, too. Sorry. There's more apostrophes. Mark? Uh, uh, It's fantastic sci-fi. Obviously, a predecessor to a lot of what uh, exists in modern sci-fi nowadays. You can see the, the special effects had... A lot of similarities to Star Wars, the design of the ship, at least I realized. When they kind of did the close-up as it was panning across it, you saw a lot of the like model work. It looked similar. Uh, I wonder if some of the same people that worked on the projects. But uh, yeah, it was that was fantastic. I'm really glad that I finally got to see it. I've always wanted to. Is there Did I see something about a new, uh, Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind coming out this year? It, there's been a lot of like there's been a movie called the fourth kind and stuff like that i don't think any of them are related to this movie itself but i could be wrong i'm straight up talking I, I, about I, 
I doubt it's it's I doubt it's related to this because Spielberg's off working on West Side Story, so I don't think it's the same. But I could be wrong. Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind. Close Encounter of the Fifth Kind is direct communication, I believe. What's the third kind? Third kind is contact. What's the first kind? Uh, a sight, I believe. A or is it hearing it? <sighs> oh, it's I'll a documentary. Here. It's a documentary. Oh, there you go. Uh, a close encounter of the first kind is. Sorry, I let Mark finish first. Hmm? Were you done? Uh, yeah. Okay. A close encounter of the first kind is a visual sighting of an unidentified flying object about seemingly less than five hundred feet away. Shows an appreciable angular extension in considerable detail. Close encounter of the second kind is a UFO event in which a physical effect is alleged. This can be an interference in the functioning of a vehicle or electronic device, animals reacting, and physiological effects such as paralysis or heat and discomfort in the witness, or some physical trace like impressions in the ground, scorched, blah, blah, blah. Third kind, <coughs> an animated entity is present. These include humanoids, robots, and humans who seem to be occupants of pilots of the UFO. Uh, and then there is an extension later made of the fourth kind, which is abduction. Fifth kind involves direct communication. Sixth kind is the death of a human or animal associated with the UFO sighting. And seventh kind is the creation of a human-alien hybrid. My favorite kind. So the ass probing. No. Potato Cthulhu, tell us what you think. Uh, all right, well, uh, Potato Cthulhu. Um, I, uh... Nice job pulling your tongue out of your entire mouth. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Um, so I believe that Close Encounters of the Third Kind is uh is a good sci-fi. I believe it that is um it's good. It's an adventure. Um and it's really cool because it makes me think about um uh think about how we view others in a more positive light, you know, in a more positive light creating bridges of communication you know it's kind of a fantasy it's kind of very optimistic in a lot of ways you know but um yeah yeah i, I like it it's kind of it's a it's a classic and um and i'm glad i watched it so good sci-fi. all right and finally hawk braxton um yeah i i mean for me like i, I kind of you know stated my case at the beginning of the podcast like is it like a classic sci-fi movie that people like love and adore and have for decades i mean longer than i've been alive yes um it didn't resonate with me and like i said it could have been like my headspace at the time it just could have been that it was just like dragging for me but it i mean it didn't it didn't do a whole lot for me so um Good sci-fi. I did not personally enjoy it, the movie. Fair enough. I'll accept that. Uh, as for me, I think it's fantastic sci-fi. I think more films need to kind of more more alien movies need to take another look at this kind of movie and kind of pull from it in one way or another the ideas and the themes that the close that Close Encounters is putting forth which is that kind of sense of wonder, the sense of mystery, less is more, but when you're going to do a lot, you do it well. And I think that's 
that's kind of what Spielberg's getting at. This is the golden age of Spielberg. This is back when he's good, better than he will ever be in the future. Uh, and it shows. This is one of his best movies, in my opinion, you know, tied between him and Jaw this and Jaws. And uh, I think I'd recommend it to anyone who loves sci-fi. So fantastic, fantastic sci-fi. There you have it. That it was Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Uh, next week, we are going to talk about the last good M. Night Shyamalan movie to ever exist. Elevator. Or no, it was called Devil. It was called Devil. Devil. Okay, fine. Devil was okay. Devil was okay. I, I don't think it. he directed it. Did he direct that? He might have written it, but you're right. I don't think he did direct it. Uh, we're going to talk about Signs, the M. Night Shyamalan movie starring Mel Gibson and uh, that one guy. Um, Joaquin Phoenix? Yeah, no, that one guy. Joaquin Phoenix? So, fun fact, I whenever I think of Signs, I always think of, instead of Joaquin Phoenix, the guy who was his parody in Scary Movie 3. That's the first person I think of. Never saw any of the scary movies. Oh, that's probably for the best. Yeah. So that's what we're going to do. <laughs> I was, well, Scary Movie 3 really took a nosedive. That's, I, that's how I'm yeah. feeling. Yeah, that was the marked end of the entire franchise. Yeah, so were the Williams brothers even involved in that? I don't even know. I don't know. Uh, after that, our schedule's wide open. I think Tenet's finally coming out. I think it's actually going to happen. So we're gonna figure that one out, because uh, I'm I'm really excited to drag. Joe's got this. his uh, shitting pants on for that one. <laughs> I'm really excited to drag this shit, guys. It's gonna be good. And uh, after that, who knows? I you know we we're kind of like a, you know like we talked about we're kind of <laughs> taking requests, figuring it out. Tyler's asking for Jurassic Park, so that might be fun to do. Just have a. Have a little, little fun little dinosaur movie. Give me another month. No, never again. I picked out five really good movies, five you universally out, like, liked a movies. A bunch of weeb shit, and that one movie, like Two Ghost of Tsushima, shits. was not even good. I didn't. Ghost of Tsushima is a video game. Yeah. No, it was that movie. It was go and they. She was like naked or something. I don't even know. It's stupid. Oh. Ghost in the Shell? Ghost of the Johansson. <laughs> Ooh, that's what we'll do. We'll do the better version of that <laughs> movie. Ben lives for this. This yeah. tension he creates. As always, please check us out at facebook.com slash sci-fi cross-sections and on Twitter at SF cross-sections. I'm not going to plug Once Upon a Tavern, but you can check it out at twitch.tv slash Once Upon a Tavern. And, uh... Miller, are you streaming? Uh, not right now. Okay, bye. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> if I leave this thank in, it means I'm streaming. <laughs> thank you for listening. Please tell your friends about us. Our listeners are dropping. I don't know why. COVID. We've been great. <laughs> Subscribe, review, and as our overlord would say, until next time. <laughs>